Welcome back to the Moose Bros Podcast, where we pretend to know about sports in hopes of getting famous one day. I'm Harris, Huncho Harris on the gram, here with my brother Armin, Armin Moose on the gram. Week four is in the books. <laughs> Nothing really happened. Did anything happen? A lot happen? of stuff, I guess. We'll get into it. Alright, so the biggest story, like the city of Houston is kind of fucked when it comes to coaches. I think about nine months ago, the Houston Astros fired their general manager. Uh, about a month ago, Mike D'Antoni decided to leave the Houston Rockets. And yesterday, Bill O'Brien was the first coach fired in the NFL. Sad, sad day for Jacksonville Jaguar fans. A very joyful day, I'm sure, for Texans fans. Uh, it was long overdue. I think he completely blundered that offseason. He got rid of his top player. I, I mean, I guess you could say Deshaun Watson is top player, but I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, all pro receiver, got rid of him for a injured aging running back in a passing league with a quarterback who obviously needs a star receiver. Every quarterback needs a star receiver. That was that was baffling. He he obviously it kind of all started with that twenty four point lead they blew to the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I guess some would say that they were lucky to be in that position anyway, but they didn't capitalize on being up twenty four to zero against the Chiefs in the playoffs. I think it was long overdue. I mean, truth be told, he's always been an iffy coach. He took advantage of a shitty AFC South. And to me, it actually puts in perspective the Jacksonville Jaguars situation. He's won, I think, I think out of the six years he's been there, he's won four AFC South championships and has made it to the playoffs, obviously, all those years. Compare and compare to Dave Caldwell, who's been there since 2014, and they made it once in the 2017 championship run. That was it. And Bill O'Brien got fired, obviously after a, a just a debacle of an offseason. That was like pretty ridiculous. Spent all that money and really nothing shows for it through the first four weeks. Put Deshaun, put Deshaun Watson in just a total shitty situation. But if I'm comparing his record to what Jacksonville has done since Dave Caldwell has been there, it's actually better. <laughs> so, so to me, it puts that in perspective. I still think it was long overdue because he's never really been a good coach. He's been middle of the pack and kind of just always taking advantage of a shitty AFC South. He got a franchise QB out of being there. I don't know how much of that was him, but, you know, it was long overdue, but he also, I guess, wasn't as bad as people are making it seem because it was just, uh, this offseason was just questioning. Even if you didn't watch football, you're like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah, it was definitely odd to see what he did this offseason. A lot of people are saying he just tore the team apart. I think when you compare the two, though, He's kind of he's had success, like you said, in the AFC South, in a weak AFC South. I think when you're looking at Dave Caldwell, though, he made a run in 2017 that almost got him to the Super Bowl. So he's kind of given a higher ceiling almost. But I, I think if you're talking Dave Caldwell, I mean, unless Jacksonville turns it around, I don't see him really staying in Jacksonville after this year or even through the – well, he'll probably stay t through the end of the year, but – I don't see him staying past this year unless Jacksonville can make another run like that. I think with Bill O'Brien, he's kind of consistently been, you know, successful in the AFC South, but he's never really taken them past the hump. Uh, I mean, they haven't gotten into the AFC Championship game at all. So I think considering the moves he's made and the weapons he had and just kind of got rid of, uh, I think – this this wasn't really a surprise, but at the same time, I am surprised he got let go this early. Didn't really get to show off. And I think, actually, they had a pretty tough schedule to start the year, so he didn't really get to show off everything he could with the team that he has. 
albeit he hasn't done anything to make that team better and hasn't really planned for the future very well, investing in Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills, giving up a first and second round pick for them. Kenny still hasn't Kenny Stills hasn't really produced, although Laramie Tunzel is a you know, he is a pro bowler and a pretty good centerpiece to their offense. But like you said, he got rid of their top playmaker in DeAndre Hopkins and traded it for questionable talent and then thought he could replace him with someone like Brandon Cooks and gave away, what was it, a second-round pick for Brandon Cooks? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think this offseason was his – he might have been on the hot seat heading in just because, like you said, he hasn't taken advantage of a weak AFC South taking advantage of having a franchise QB and, you know, the talent around him. Like I said, coaching-wise, he wasn't he hasn't always been that good, but it was, you know, a weak AFC South, the talent on the team was able to carry them to the playoffs. But once it got to the playoffs, they always seemed to fail. But I just think this offseason, like right now, heading into that situation as a new coach, it's almost like you are excited about it. You have a franchise quarterback. But then you're like, dude, I don't have a first and second round pick. Going into the season, he like the Texans have played the Chiefs, Ravens, and Steelers, who all obviously are kind of top of the NFL right now. The only one, the only one who has um, lost the game is the Ravens, and that's because they played the Chiefs. But I think the reason he got fired after this game was because they played the Vikings, who have not done you know, much this season. So I think that the owner was like, dude, you lost to the Vikings. You know, I, I get it giving you the pass for losing to, you know, some of the top AFC teams. But I think, I think it was almost as if the owner was waiting for him to fuck up and lose to one of the, I guess, quote unquote, bottom feeders. Not that Vikings are that bad, but they started the season horrendous. And he just canned them. He's like, I had enough of your butt shit. Get out of my, get out of my face. So, it's, it's a tough situation for the next guy coming in just because of those draft picks more than what he has. Because they have a franchise quarterback. But those draft picks and the cap situation and stuff is just, that's not a good look. Yeah, that's not like a you good mentioned, marketing. Yeah, like you mentioned, they do have that franchise quarterback, which is a good thing. But yeah, no, f- Without those picks, you kind of hope for them to make a splash in free agency, but they can't even do that because of their lack of cap space in 2021, especially given the COVID situation and the expectation of the cap going down. They're going to have to make some cuts to some big-name players. What do you think the future is for them, though, for the rest of this year? Uh, Romeo Cornell, another former Bill Belichick disciple who, uh, who hasn't really had much success in the NFL, is taking over. I think the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator are going to start calling plays. I, I, did Bill O'Brien call offensive plays? He Yeah, this year he started to call offensive plays, and it shit the bed. So yeah. then it almost made him look worse. You know, I would have just said, yeah. I'm not calling that shit. It was that fucking <laughs> stupid coordinator. I, I talked to you off offline briefly about this, how it just happens to be Jacksonville again who has to face now a – kind of revitalized team under a new coach you know with a very positive attitude going into this game it's the worst case scenario for Jacksonville once again how do you see them playing this week and kind of going forward for the season uh this week they're gonna kick the shit out of Jacksonville um even if they had Billy Butchin they still would have beat Jacksonville um Deshaun Watson would just pick him apart even if he has zero weapons on offense with that, Jacksonville's defense is just unreal, but and not in a good way. Um, going forward, though, I mean, Romeo Cannell is going to be the interim, but Romeo Cannell really hasn't had much success as an NFL head coach. I think he's just there as a gap until they bring in the next guy, whoever that's going to be. Going forward, they're still not going to win many games, but they will. I think they'll be better off without him just because – that seems to always happen when a, when a coach leaves. It's like that. I think it kind of lights a fire under one. Like, shit, he's gone. He's the guy who brought us in here. Now we have to put out good film. We don't know who's going to keep us next. So it always kind of, I think, rejuvenates a team. And 
they always play hard for the, you know, almost for the future because they're like the next guy coming in. He can do he can do whatever he wants with me. He can even look at Deshaun Watson and be like, no, I don't want you. I'm going Trevor Lawrence. So I think for going forward, they're going to be a better team without him, just kind of for that simple fact. I don't know how much better Romeo Cornell is than Bill O'Brien, but... Well, he's definitely not playing for Trevor Lawrence because he can't get him. But, yeah, I think this year it's it's going to be rough. I mean, the teams do usually rally behind kind of new coaches. But like you said, too, they're going to have to put on a display for the next coach coming in because their job isn't guaranteed. Usually with coach changes come regime changes, and the new coach isn't going to like the system that's currently in. They're probably going to want to implement their own style and players that fit that style so current players on the team are not gonna fit whatever new coach comes in uh top candidates for coaching though rumors have been going around of course Romeo Cornell he'll probably be the first guy interviewed considering the fact that he's interim so long as he doesn't fuck it up anymore uh Debo Sweeney uh former coach for Deshaun Watson in college he's a big name and kind of the two big offensive masterminds of this season and Eric Bialmi and Brian Dable. Do you have, do you think it'll be one of those four guys or you think it'll be someone else or is it just way too early to call at this point? I think it's way too early to call at this point. I mean, looking at those coaches, like I said, Romeo Cornell has already kind of had a track record and he's better as a coordinator than he is as a head coach, but yeah, he'll probably get that interview just for already being in the system there, this and that, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't really see Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney coming into the NFL. I think he's a perfect college coach. He's crushing it over there in Clemson, recruiting process, all that. He's like, everyone wants to play for that guy. I don't see him leaving that, almost like Nick Saban. He's he's a perfect college coach, and I think he has the self-awareness to know that. And to him, like he comes off, Sweeney comes off as a guy who would rather just stick to the college game then move on to the NFL. But his name keeps coming up, and I just think because that always happens, all the hot coaches in the college you know, game always get kind of pushed into the NFL talk. But I truly see him staying in Clemson. I think the uh, Eric, uh, I don't even know how to say his last name, Belimo or whatever, um, from uh, the Kansas, Kansas City. City, I could see him going there just because of Deshaun Watson. I could see him potentially – being excited about having a franchise quarterback, what he's done with Patrick Mahomes, I could see him being excited that he's got a piece there. Again, like not having a first-round pick and second-round pick and all that sucks for any coach coming into that situation. But him having that that piece to play with where, okay, I already got a good quarterback in hand. He has like crazy sweet formations and – like he'll have his punter lined up there, a wide receiver, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" Screen pass, punt on third down. You know, he does like crazy shit like that. So I could see him being excited about that opportunity because he already has a quarterback in place. And then kind of same with Brian Dable, like what he's done with Josh Allen so far. And again, just just the fact that Deshaun Watson is a the quarterback there, I could see coordinators being excited because they're like, "Okay, we got a guy who can make all the throws, and has a lot to his skill set that." We can give up those that first year. We can give up the, you know, building for the future because we don't have those picks. Because I mean, I think for the most part they're going to enter that rebuild and they want to evaluate who they can evaluate. But if they already have the quarterback situation set, you don't have to evaluate them that much. So I see if it's anybody out of that list, I can see the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator taking over just to have fun with Patrick or have fun with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I mean, and you look at Watson, he's kind of got that same skill set as Patrick Mahomes. So it's really just kind of seeing how Andy Reid built the chiefs around Patrick Mahomes and just kind of doing the same thing with Houston. Um, now Houston were 0 and 4. Like you said, their, their first four opponents weren't really, you know, a walk in the park. So I guess to jump over into the NFL power rankings, unless you you think there's some other coach that might be a front runner over those four guys. No, I think those guys are the ones that are just being talked about the most because they're like the next candidate for every NFL team. He needs a new coach. So yeah. Um, 
Well, before we jump into the power rankings, did you want to touch on who you think might be next? Uh, there are, what, three other winless teams between the Giants, Jets, Texans, and Falcons. Uh, Dan Quinn is apparently still keeping his job. There's no news coming out about him losing it just yet. Uh, to add to that, I mean, Detroit Lions, their coach has been in the news lately about just kind of his his shitty attitude about going things, almost pointing fingers at other coaches and players saying that he kind of inherited a shitty team, which is debatable. Um, did you want to touch on who might? Yeah, I think all those guys, I think right now in the hot seat is uh, basically all the win, except the, the Giants just hired their coach, so they're going to give him time. Adam Gase should have been fired years ago. He's gonna get, he's gonna get his head punted out of New York City when this freaking, if not by the owner, by the fans, so he's out for sure. Gary Vaynerchuk might go over there and twist his neck. That guy's. <laughs> um, I'd hire Gary Vaynerchuk to be the head coach instead of Adam Gase. <laughs> this, honestly, just motivational. Yeah, speeches he'll and just fucking it. tell. I don't know how to call plays. Listen, but... listen. I don't know what play we're going to hear, but put it on TikTok four times a day. Um. So, I mean, he's Gase is definitely gone. Uh, the Texans obviously just fired. Uh, and then Atlanta Falcons, barring some barring a 12-4 and four record, there's no way they keep Dan Quinn. He's He's been on the hot seat for the last two years, and I think it's officially on fire. He's out. And I could see the Detroit Lions. I could see Matt Patricia. He's handling everything wrong, it seems like. Everything coming out of Detroit is just like, we hate this guy. Why is he the coach? So... I could see him going for sure. And then also the Jags, uh, I could see them letting go of Doug Marone at the end of the season. So Yeah, I was going to say, do you think Doug Marone's uh, looking at possible exit before the end of the year? Or, I mean, do you, you've been really hard on Todd Walsh, considering how bad their defense is playing. Do you see Todd Walsh maybe getting canned before Doug Marone or them just holding on to both until the end of the year and then making a change. I think if Todd Wash hasn't been fired yet, they're going to hold on to him. Because to me, I think Todd Wash should have been fired after the 2018 season. He still had the same pieces as that 2017 season, and they shit the bed. They didn't really play good at all. So I think after that season, he should have been fired. He, he But regardless, they kept him. Until now, if he hasn't been fired yet, and the defense is historically bad for these four weeks, they're going to ride with him for the end of the season because if I'm, if I'm looking at it from a Doug Marone standpoint, he was told he has to make the playoffs or he's out. And uh, this team right now with this defense is nowhere near the playoffs. And maybe if they lose to the Texans and they go one and two in their division, maybe he's going to be like, all right, Todd Washer out. Maybe he's holding out hope that they'll beat the Texans and still be alive in the division. But if I, you know, if I'm looking at this and like, what's stopping my team from winning now is the defense, and there's no sense of urgency to fire Todd Wash. It almost feels like Doug Marone knows his days are numbered, and he's just like, I'm gonna keep my guy here in a job, not let him lose a job. You know, he's got kids and everything, and we're just gonna ride the season out and find jobs at the end of the year. Because truth be told, if you're trying to win and your defense is what's holding you back, you're going to shake You're gonna shake up that defense to give you a chance to stick with this team. But it could be that Doug Marone doesn't even want to be on this team anymore, and he's just writing it out for his own resume to make it like so he didn't quit on the team. I don't know. But, but I could see Todd Wash going before Doug Marone if Doug Marone feels like, okay, finally, like get rid of him to make it look like he's trying to win. or I don't know what the hell is going on over there. He should have been fired a while ago. But I see them, if he hasn't been fired at this point, I see them riding out the season with both of them. I mean, would Doug Marone be the one to make the call on if, whether or not Todd Wash gets fired? Or do you think that would come from Caldwell? No, that usually comes from the head coach because, you know, he, he builds his coaching staff how he wants his coaching staff. And, I mean, when he fired uh, Natty Hack in that 2018 season, he fired him. It wasn't, unless, you know, Tom Coughlin, you know, threatened him or something but yeah um, right which wouldn't be surprising considering yeah considering everything he's done when, since he came back to jacksonville but yeah no if he, uh, i see him making that call before the gm makes the call yeah 
Uh, well, we touched on the shitty teams. So let's go on to these power rankings that NFL.com put out. Uh, so as we mentioned, those towards the bottom there, uh, I guess we can go from the bottom. Well, no, let's go. Let's start at the top. So it looks like the top seven teams are all the undefeated teams with the ex- exception of number three being Baltimore. Uh, do you do you think that's a pretty accurate representation? Do you think someone should be moved around or? Uh, I think what they have right now, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, it's hard with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tennessee Titans because they didn't play this week and they had that bye week, like forced bye week, I guess. Right. But I think that top yeah. seven is, uh, I think it's where it should be. Maybe Seahawks ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers with a 4 0, but I don't think it's that yeah. much. I mean, I, personally, I would actually move the Steelers up to maybe number three between Green Bay and Baltimore. I think they, they've performed a lot better than number six. They really haven't played anyone that tough. Their first three weeks were all bottom feeders of the NFL. They beat the... Well, they played the Patriots. No, they didn't. They played the Texans, they played the Giants, and then they played the Broncos. Who? The... Oh, no, I'm talking about the, Se- I'm talking about the Seahawks. Oh, Seahawks. Did I say the yeah, Steelers? Steelers. Oh, my bad. Yeah, the Seahawks, I think, should be either number three or number four, or maybe even number two. Yeah, like I think if anyone's gonna move, it's gonna be the Seahawks. They be they beat the Falcons, who are a bottom feeder. They beat the Patriots, who are a decent team. Then they beat the Dolphins, who are a bottom feeder, and then they beat the Cowboys, who are also a bottom feeder. So I could I could justify them being there at the number six. Um, but also, if you look at Buffalo, they beat the Jets and Dolphins, who are bottom feeders. And then they beat the Rams, who are middle of the pack, and then Ra- or then the Raiders, who are middle of the pack. So, in those middle of the pack teams they played, it could have went to a loss against the Rams. But I, yeah, I mean, I could see this. This top seven kind of makes sense to me. All right. Well, to round that off is the Buccaneers, Rams, and Patriots. Anything? Would you change anything there? I think that looks all right. Uh. With the Bucks and Rams being three and one, Patriots two and two, I I could see the Rams kind of being lower. I feel like they haven't really done anything that impressive. Yeah, their offense has been good, um, but again, they beat the Giants, they beat the Cowboys on a you know questionable, questionable call. call, and then they beat. Uh, oh, they beat the Eagles. Right, so they're all kind of bottom feeders. How about I guess eleven through. Well, I guess the middle of the pack looks like New Orleans is leading that with the Colts kind of up there, uh, 49ers. Yeah, the only, I guess, the problem I have with the kind of the middle of the pack teams is the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think they should be at 20. If there wasn't a meltdown by the Atlanta Falcons, they would be 0-4. And I get it, they played... In those games, they're competitive in all those games. Obviously, like that, we just said that Rams game was competitive, barring a suspect call. The Seahawks game was competitive. Um, even, I mean, the Browns this week, they, they gave them a run for their money, even though the Browns kind of started blowing them out. Dallas still stayed Yeah, Dak Prescott had a good game, that 500-yard passing or whatever. But they're literally one onside kick recovery from being 0-4 to a bottom feeder team. So... I don't see them being at 20 and the Raiders at 21. I think Raiders should be above them. They beat the Saints, lost to the Bills. Um, so, yeah, I just think that's too high for the Cowboys. And then Philly, too. I don't know how they're at 19. What have they really done? They just beat uh, – they tied with the Bengals, and then they just beat a 49ers team who with two – they brought in their third-string quarterback because their backup quarterback wasn't doing anything. So I think Philly's too high on that for sure. Yeah, I, I would actually say Indianapolis is too high on that too. Um, losing to the Jaguars. I mean, they beat the Vikings. I think they beat the Jets or the Giants. Yeah, and then this, I forget who they just beat the last Chicago week. Chicago Bears. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't really say any of their wins are too impressive. Um, yeah. 
so putting them at number 12 is pretty high. But as far as the rest goes, yeah, like you mentioned, Philly and Dallas are kind of high, and I think the Raiders. Honestly, I, w I would say the LA Chargers should be higher than 18. They, they gave the Chiefs uh, and the Buccaneers a run for their money, who I think are, you know, legit contenders in the NFL, and all with a rookie quarterback. I mean, I think that's actually really impressive, so I would probably put them a lot higher. I, I'd switch them with, like, hell, I'd probably put them above New Orleans now that I look at this. Um, I wouldn't put them up there, but I would put them, I'd put them above Carolina Panthers for sure. And then definitely above the Vikings, looking at that list. Yeah. Because um, Vikings played absolutely awful until they just beat the 0-4 Texans. And, yeah, the – What's it called? The Chargers only beat the Cincinnati Bengals, but like you said, they were toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Chiefs and the Buccaneers who were, like you said, contenders. So I see them being above the Vikings for sure and above the Carolina Panthers who have had an okay season. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of rounding out the bottom third, anything surprise you there or you kind of agree with everything that's... Yeah, no, I, going I agree with everything there. I think... From 22 down, starting with Chicago down is, yeah, I think it makes the most sense there. Pretty yeah. accurate. Yeah. I Only thing I would do is probably move Detroit down. I think their win over uh, Arizona was kind of a fluke. I mean, Arizona's had a pretty bad meltdown these last two weeks. I don't know what happened after coming out super hot. Uh, and I would actually give the Washington football team a little bit more credit uh, than putting them below Atlanta and Houston, and I mean even putting them below Detroit, I think they've they're definitely playing a lot better than most people expected them to, and I, I think they're playing better than all these winless teams, even though Haskins hasn't really done much. Yeah, he hasn't stepped up that much this year. Obviously, they had that win against Philly, but I watched the one game against Cleveland, and he's just really erratic and inaccurate. And he only had one starting season as a college quarterback, so his footwork seems to be the biggest issue for him. But, yeah, he was just throwing some balls in the dirt and shit and just, like, I don't know, he didn't look like a starting quarterback that game, at least. I didn't watch the other ones, though. Yeah. Is Alex Smith still considered the backup there? Uh, I th No, what's his name is? Um, oh, Kyle Allen. Yeah, Kyle Allen is the backup, and then Alex Smith is there just to – Rehab, I don't know. For motivation. motivation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so out of those winless teams that we mentioned, who do you think uh, who do you think's got the biggest chance of getting their first win, at least this week or in the near future? Uh, kind of what I mentioned earlier, the Texans. I think they beat the Jaguars. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, who do you think out of those teams is kind of should not be winless at this point? Do you think it should have been the Texans or I guess the Falcons should have I would beat. say the Falcons. They'd had just the meltdowns. Barring the meltdowns, they would be a two win team. So yeah, I would say Falcons should at least have one win on their resume. I don't know if it counts as a resume, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh yeah, I I could I agree with the I don't know if Texans will beat Jaguars. I still got hope. But I think Falcons might actually get a win over the Panthers. I don't know how I don't know how Panthers are actually staying competitive, especially without McCaffrey. Uh, pretty impressive, to be honest. Their defense did really good uh, against the Chargers when they played them. Yeah, um, and then they almost lost that game. It was like I don't know if you saw that hook and ladder that they almost got to win the game. Oh that yeah, that would have been a great play. Uh, yeah, just kind of uh, pitched it a little behind yeah. Eckler because that would have been a. Um, yeah, I mean they've been pretty. I mean they've been pretty competitive, and they don't have that much talent. But Teddy B is, he's uh, holding down the fort over there. That and uh, Sir Purr. Sir, yeah, their mascot. That's his name. Yeah, Sir Purr. I had no idea. That's my dog. That's pretty my dope. Dog. Uh, so between the Giants and the Jets. Uh, do you see them winning anytime soon? The Giants got the Cowboys, Washington, and Eagles coming up, so all division games. Jets got the Cardinals, Chargers, Bills, all pretty hard 
I mean, barring uh, Cardinals meltdown again, pretty hard opponents. Yeah, I see the Giants winning before the Jets do because the Jets have a harder schedule coming up and a worse team. So I see, I see the Giants winning before the Jets do. Yeah, same here. And do you think the Jets can win it all? Honestly, looking at their schedule, you're like, well, yeah, I don't know where I'd put a win, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's hard to go winless, even though that sounds weird to say. But they, they'll get a win somewhere. Trap game, you know. Yeah, right. On the other side of things, though, we got, what, six undefeated teams, although the Steelers and Titans should have played each other. Uh, I guess this week, considering that the Bills and Titans play each other, one of those will be a loser, but who do you think should not be winless or uh, undefeated right now out of this bunch? Who should not be undefeated? Yeah, who do you think's kind of 4-0 and or 3-0 and and should actually have caught an L somewhere? Uh, I was actually going to say the Titans. Uh, the Titans and Bills are going to be, I think, the two teams that would potentially, because Bills basically, they they should, I mean, should have lost, almost lost, whatever it was against the Rams. They came down to that penalty. And the Tennessee Titans, they almost lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They had a really questionable pass interference call on Miles Jack that gave them the game-winning field goal, basically. And then also they barely beat the Minnesota Vikings. So I think when you look at all those win, um, all the undefeated teams, I think Titans right now are looking like the weakest of the bunch. Well, would you say they're looking like the weakest or they should have got the win? Because if you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers' opponents, none of them are really that impressive. Uh, would you still say that the Steelers, I guess, going if they went head-to-head this week, would you say the Steelers would have beat the Titans? Yeah, I was going to predict the Steelers would beat the Titans. Who do you think is looking like uh, they're going to stay undefeated for the longest? Or at least who do you think is the strongest team out of the bunch up here? Uh, I think Kansas City. I think... I mean, their offense is starting to slow up a little bit, it seems, these last couple of weeks. But I think with Mahomes and all the offensive weapons they got, barring an injury, to me they seem like the strongest team. And I see them going the longest being undefeated. Then I would I would put Packers next. But Kansas City, to me, right now seems like the top team in the NFL. Yeah, I I mean, it was weird to see them kind of struggle against New England and uh, the Chargers, but then just kind of blow out uh, Baltimore. So it's kind of weird. I don't know. The sides depends on which uh, Mahomes shows up, but somehow they they pull it out all the time. Uh, and looking at their schedule, I mean, they got the Raiders, Bills, and Broncos. So I, I mean. I mean, it's even hard to say that the Bills will give them trouble because the Bills' defense was uh, has been struggling this year. So I can see a shootout in Buffalo there. But the Packers got the Buccaneers, Texans, and Vikings. So if they can give Tom Brady another L, yeah, I can see the following two games being pretty easy for them. So I actually thought it was NFL.com that put these out because I'm pretty sure I got an alert on my phone, but I guess it wasn't because I couldn't find them again. Uh, quarter season awards. We are quarter way through the season with the exception of two teams. Um, so these are coming from, I think it's like NFL spinoff or something like that. And the comeback are a couple of websites that put these out. So I figured we could, uh, look over them. Uh, so for offensive rookie of the year, the NFL something site has Joe Burrow while the comeback has James Robinson. Who do you think uh, should get that? Um, I'm obviously going to vote for James Robinson because he's a – I don't think anybody expected that, but he's honestly a really good back, um, and he does not make any Jacksonville Jaguar fan miss Leonard Fournette at all. He's – I think he's way better than anybody projected, and it's kind of funny that Dave Caldwell's best rookie is one he didn't even draft. He's undrafted, um, but I think it always favors the quarterbacks, and Joe Burrow has been lighting up the league. So I still think Joe Burrow edges him out just for his position of play, and he's been putting up really Yeah, I, it's hard to argue against Joe Burrow. I, you know, you think about it, he probably should have won two more games at least. And uh, But, yeah, I do agree that, 
James Robinson has been putting numbers up almost kind of under the radar. Like nobody even really knows about him. And he's been performing at, you know, a top running back level, especially if Jacksonville would kind of feed him the ball more. They, they seem to be using him sparingly and kind of start to wonder why. But, yeah, it's hard to argue against Joe Burrow. Although I think we've seen good performance from the receivers that have come into the league. Uh, do you think any of them would even stand a chance? Yeah, I could see them sneaking in there, but I just feel like these always go to the higher production players and running backs and quarterbacks produce more than wide receivers because they get the ball in their hands more. Running backs can patch uh can catch out of the backfield. Obviously, quarterback touches the ball every single play. So I think those wards always go to those guys unless the receiver puts up absurd numbers. But, yeah, I just I, I see it going Joe Burrow, at least quarter way in the season. Yeah. And on the other side, uh, they have Chase Young, and the comeback has Tampa Bay safety Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, we pre- both predicted Chase Young at the beginning of the year. Do you still stand with that? Yeah, he's been injured, so it's hard to put him there. But honestly, I haven't watched enough of Antoine Winfield Jr. to even make really an assessment on it. But I guess I'd say still stick with Chase Young because for the first two weeks, he's played really well. Um, And I think when he comes back from injury, he'll continue to play well. So the first four weeks, yeah, I could see that. But honestly, I haven't watched much of Antoine Winfield Jr. to – really you know say he's been playing well or not i've seen some highlights but yeah like you said not really enough honestly i haven't really seen any sort of rookie that kind of jumps out on the defensive side yeah so far it hasn't really seen seemed to be that way uh so on to the coach of the year we got sean mcdermott or kyle shanahan would you say those guys are your front runners uh, Sean McDermott, I would I would go with him. I think he has the Bills at four and zero. Even though they haven't played the best competition, they're a well disciplined team, really well coached team. And yeah, I, I I think right now he's he's the better coach in the NFL. Yeah, honestly, that Kyle Shanahan. I mean, considering the fact that he's coaching a team of backups to some wins is impressive. But I don't know that I could actually put him as I, I would put a few other coaches ahead of him yeah if Kyle Shanahan makes it to the playoffs with this squad and they're able to win a lot of games with these like backups and JV team then he, he'll he definitely win coach of the year but I just don't see that happening like that's just it, they lost a lot of well time. I mean he he's getting Jimmy Garoppolo back next week and I think Raheem Mostert's coming back soon, too. He did lose two huge defensive linemen for the whole season, but I think playoffs are still within reach. I wouldn't say that's too absurd for them to make the playoffs, especially considering there's a seventh seed now. Right, but I think it's more about the division. Like, they have to play the Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals. So I think that's where, to me, is where they'll lose their games and it might damage your season um would you put any other coaches up there at least to well i agree with you that sean mcdermott's done the best job so far um and you can tell just when you watch the buffalo offense play it's kind of a team effort and they're just doing whatever they want um would you put any other coaches up there with him or is he kind of i would put maybe uh the packers coach matt lafleur um even though he has Aaron Rodgers playing at an all-time level. I wouldn't say all-time level, but he's playing an incredible start to the season. I, w- I could see him being up there. Uh, even though he has some pieces, things like that, he's still he's still doing really well. So I would put him in that discussion right now. Yeah, I mean, Andy Reid's my dude, so I got I to gotta say he's up there. I would probably put him at number two, but yeah, LaFleur is definitely – it almost seems, though, as – this is more Aaron Rodgers' team, and Lafleur's just benefiting from it rather than Lafleur's yeah. kind of running things. I mean, Aaron Rodgers even came out—I don't know if it was a joke or not—but says he pretends he doesn't hear the call and calls his own, uh, you know, play and stuff like that. I don't know if there's a shot at Matt Lafleur to be like, "You're a piece of shit." 
No, but um, yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely Aaron Rodgers' team. He's definitely still a leader of that team, and he's going to be until he's not producing or until he's out of the league. When I think the media kind of blew that out of proportion because when he was asked, he was asked, like, have you ever in your career done that? And he was like, yeah, maybe, you know, two or three times I've done it. And oh, all of a okay. sudden they're like, oh, yeah, I, I decided that my headset's out. Uh, okay. So I think it's a little. It was a paraphrasing by the media? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. um, so I think the next one's kind of almost unanimous for comeback player of the year. Cam Newton kind of went into New England and took over, and he's been killing it, aside from the one loss in Seattle, which pretty much came down in the last play. Uh, and you can see how valuable he is to the team, as witnessed last night. New England didn't really – wasn't able to replace him with Stidham or Hoyer. So you agree on that one? Yeah, definitely Cam Newton, just considering – his off season not getting signed and then signing for the veteran minimum and no one really wanted him except you know the patriots and even the patriots didn't really want him till the end until they somehow got him for the veteran minimum and it's funny that when you watch hoyer and stidham play you're almost like wait they're trying to pretend there was a qb competition in the off season like there's no way <laughs> but i think a lot of that had to do with because i think cam newton tested positive on saturday so they probably prepared a whole game plan for Cam Newton to play the Chiefs. And then all of a sudden he's out. So they had like a day or two to prepare for the backup quarterback. So I think a lot of that had to do with their play. But still, they're nowhere near the level Cam Newton is. And Cam Newton is definitely taking that team to a lot more wins, wins than Stidham and Hoyer would. So he's you know elevating that team. So I could see him being the comeback player of the year for sure. How about Offensive Player of the Year? NFL spin has Josh Allen, while the comeback has Russell Wilson. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I would put Josh Allen here because I got Russell Wilson at MVP right now. Um, so I got Russell Wilson, or um, I, I would put Josh Allen Offensive Player of the Year through the first four weeks. His numbers just kind of speak for themselves, and they're sitting at four and zero. So if you know, again, I expect it to possibly drop down when he starts getting tested more, like I talked earlier. But right now, through the first four weeks, he, he's been playing really good. So I could see that's definitely justified. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only people really giving him competition are Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. And I, I personally, I would probably put Aaron Rodgers above that just because he's been tearing it up and he really doesn't have the offensive weapons that Josh Allen does. But. I I wouldn't be able to disagree with you if you said Josh Allen. Yeah. He's, his numbers do speak for themselves. Uh, defensive player of the year, it's almost unanimous for Miles Garrett. His name's really coming up quite a bit. Do you agree on that? Um, It's tough, but I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Browns to, I guess, kind of uh, make up something. He, I think he's leading the league with sacks with Zadarius Smith from the Green Bay Packers. So part of me wants to go with Zadarius Smith because he's a little more versatile. And truth be told, I've watched him play more, so he jumps out to me more. But, uh, I mean, Miles Garrett has been playing really well. So I could see that being – I could see him winning, like, through the first four weeks right now. But I'm going to go with Zadarius Smith just because I like him better, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to pick. There's really not anybody that really jumps out. Um, for some reason, I want to pick Marlon Humphrey. I don't know why. It might be just because I watch like highlight videos or something. But for some reason, Marlon Humphrey jumps out at me. But I, I can't remember if it was just because he had a great year last year. Or... Well, yeah, as you mentioned, Miles Garrett's really up there. It's a Darius Smith. Yeah. And then MVP... It's almost unanimous, Russell Wilson. Part of me almost feels like he's in the MVP talk because he's never been in the MVP talk before. Well, he's never gotten that vote. Or he's is in the MVP talk more for not getting that vote than he is for his performance. But 
Would you put him up there, or do you think one of the other QBs can take it? Yeah, I'd definitely put him up there right now for what he's doing with that Seattle defense or Seattle offense when their defense isn't the Legion of Boom anymore. Like you said, he's always kind of been snubbed, snubbed of the MVP talk, but this year he's been incredible, and I think he's going to continue that too. I don't think it's very like a fluke or anything, so. Yeah, to me right now, he's the MVP, I would say. It's tough because you can make a case really for a lot of people up there. but And it could be because, like you said, he's constantly being snubbed, so everyone's like, no, no, I'm putting Russell Wilson this year. That's kind of why I feel like I'm putting him there, to be honest, because I'm like, he keeps getting shitted on. So yeah. let me get, I'll give him my vote as if it matters. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I predicted he would be MVP this year, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, there have been great performances, especially offensively. Um, but, yeah, it's it's hard to go against him, seeing what he's doing up there, seeing how he's just almost reckless, recklessly just destroying teams. Um, I know this wasn't – I mean, these aren't really uh, quarter-of-the-year awards, but – who do you think is the most overrated player or team? Oh, I'd have to think about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I can go first. I think I would have to go with the Dallas Cowboys. It almost seems like they're always kind of being talked about, even though they're never doing anything relevant. So, I yeah, I would say Cowboys. Um, in the top tier... I still feel like the Steelers are not worthy of all the praise. I don't. Maybe it's just because I haven't seen too much of them. Their defense is good. I mean, they have individual defenders who are really getting pressures on quarterbacks. Um, but I think if I looked overall, I would probably say Cowboys or maybe the Bears. I think the Bears are kind of being praised for being 3-0 and up until – this week and they really haven't struck me as a team that should be undefeated well i mean they lost to the colts so they're not undefeated anymore (laughs) right um, right i'm just saying uh, up until this week uh, okay you know everybody's like oh they're undefeated mitch trubisky's undefeated i'm like they probably shouldn't be yeah they definitely shouldn't be i feel like a lot of t or a lot of analysts and stuff like that i think everyone knew it was kind of a fluke unless you're a fan of chicago um yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Pittsburgh being up there overrated because they really haven't beat anyone that jumps out on the page at all. So, yeah, and then definitely the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys, like you said, they're always talking to the national media. They're got Mike McCarthy. They're turning the corner, all this, this and that. They have all this talent on their team. They have a lot of injuries on the whole line. Dak Prescott's putting a lot of numbers up and keeping them in games, but they're just, yeah, they're... Uh, I could, yeah, they're definitely a little overrated. I think even I going into the season, I was like, they'll probably win that division, but it wasn't really because they were that much better than anyone, but more so the division's not that good. Right. Yeah. I mean, are they, no, 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 the Eagles are leading that division with a one, two and one record. Yeah. Technically right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, What about on the other side? Do you think there's any teams that are underrated or any players that, kind of are falling under the radar that you think should really be getting some praise? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little earlier, but I'm going to shout out James Robinson. For an offensive, uh, for a rookie, uh, undrafted rookie to come in and take over for uh, Leonard Fournette, who everyone was freaking out about, you know, they're cutting the best player on the team, this and that. He's honestly, through the first four weeks, has played a shit ton better than Leonard Fournette did. He has really good vision. He makes people miss in the backfield, which I think separates good backs from great backs, you know. The ability to make something happen when it's not there. Constantly falling forward. I think right now he's under the radar because he plays for Jacksonville and they're losing a lot. And no one really watches them play. But to me, James Robinson has been a breath of fresh air as a Jaguars fan. And I think he is a lot better than people really notice in the media and stuff. So... I'm going to go with James Robinson as underrated. Yeah, I would agree. And another rookie on their team, uh, 
LaVisca Chenault, too. I, I don't think anybody really knows about him, but he's putting up really good numbers, too, and kind of being utilized as more of an offensive weapon than a pure wide receiver. But when he is, does go out for you know running routes, he's still doing a really good job. Um, so I would put him in there. I'd actually... I liked what I saw from Justin Jefferson, too, up in Minnesota. I think he's going to fit that scheme very well, so long as they can kind of put it all together and, you know, string some wins together. I'm not really sure what they're doing up there. I think Kirk Cousins is just scaring everybody. Yeah, he uh, he, he put um, he put way too much intensity before the season started. So I don't think I don't think they're matches, matching his intensity yet. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, he kind of set that bar too high. Yeah, everyone's like, they can't really. Get... <laughs> Shit, yeah. I'm not ready to die yet. It's like, dude, what are you nuts? And he didn't. He had that look in his eyes, you know. Yeah, so, that Adam Gase look. Yeah, that Adam Gase look, or that <laughs> you like that look, or whatever. So yeah, I just don't think they're matching his intensity right now. Um, speaking of intensity, a lot of offensive firepower has been going on. Um. Do you think that's just due to the lack of a preseason on defense, or do you think offenses have um, kind of figured something out that they didn't before? Is maybe some rule changes in their favor? Or... Yeah, that's it's hard to tell. Uh, it's just across the league, there's just been so many shootouts, and I'm gonna chalk it up to right now that the lack of preseason is not allowing the teams to gel together on the defensive side of ball because when it comes to defense a lot of it is like you're filling your gaps your assignments and being disciplined versus like creativity how it is on the offensive side so offenses can be as creative as it gets but on the defensive side of the ball you're, you're kind of limited with what you can do scheme wise because you have to cover the field. How much? How how can you do that in like fifteen different ways? It's a lot tougher. So, I think the lack of preseason didn't allow either to add in some, you know, mixes and coverage schemes and stuff like that that some teams probably would have tried out in preseason. So I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to kind of lack of preseason now allowing you know the defenses to gel together. Before I'm gonna say the offenses are just you know at an all time high right now. Yeah, I th I think you're right. I think just the lack of kind of the teams coming together, especially for teams that have gotten new pieces in and, you know, defenders just not being comfortable with, with what other defenders are doing on the field and coaches, I guess, being more reluctant to install different packages for that reason. Uh, yeah, I think they have to play more basic defense almost, which is working out in the offense's favor because the offense can get a lot more creative. Like you said. Well, did you want to touch on anything else? No, I think it's pretty good. All right. Well, that about wraps it up. Uh, thank you for tuning in for the Moose Bros podcast. If you want to hear more of us, please subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or if you want to see just clips of this, um, feel free to check us out on YouTube at Moose Bros Sports. Later. Go Hawks. <laughs> nice.